2002 Indy 500 winner. And black label baggers? Yep. Owner. Yep. Paul Tracy. If you could describe this dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Nutsack. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> he's grabbing it right now. <laughs> that was Dario's, Dario's nickname for him. Nutsack. For you? Yeah. What was yours for him? Nothing. I just called him Dario. <laughs> you can call him up and ask him. Say, hey, what's your nickname for Paul? He'll say Nutsack. <laughs> And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. I'm a driver very angry with the sound of a driver on the radio during a race. What do you think I should call it? Welcome to <laughs> Dinner with Racers. Racers, 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 racers. <laughs> Jesus, you are hard on that air horn today. Yeah, well, it's because we got a we got a big show coming up here. So let's first set this up. We are literally driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Atlanta, headed down 85 South, where we will literally both get in airplanes in about five hours. I can't wait to get away from you. Uh, you going to see him in Las Vegas? Myself going back to home in Los Angeles uh, because we are wrapping up. A 34-day trip across 13,000 miles, passing 25 states, to bring you 29 free, free dinners free. in this podcast that, again, you're not paying for. <laughs> so we hope you enjoy it. Please don't complain about season three. But uh, that was all done because you have a beautiful speaker system here in uh, what car? This is my 2017 Acura MDX. Uh, with, uh, hey, what kind of tires? It's got, uh, I think it's... Uh, Continental Tires! Cross Contact LX Sport. And it looks a little crazy this year because our friends at Foxy Wraps went ahead and liveried it all up for us. We got Continental on it. We got Acura on it. We got everything. And it's crazy because speaking of crazy, <laughs> but not really because he's actually very intelligent and normal, uh, was none other than Paul Tracy. PT, the man. The PT. They call him the thrill from West Hill. Now, for those who don't know Paul Tracy, uh, I'd be surprised if you didn't know who that was. Uh, but Paul Tracy is sort of a legend of the uh, IndyCar and formerly Champ Car scene. Yeah. Uh, burst onto the scene in the early 90s, has driven for some of the biggest teams in the sport. Everything from uh, the famous Team Cool Green to, of course, the one and only Roger Penske. A uh, number of legendary accomplishments, winning a huge number of races, Long Beach Grand Prix, the Indy Road 500. America. He won the Indy 500. And, of course, kind of won the Indy 500. I'm, I'm pretty sure he won the Indy 500. Sort of depends on who you ask. He thinks he won the Indy 500. He talks a lot about how he thinks he won the Indy 500. Exactly right. Uh, PT couldn't have been a cooler guy. The restaurant was one of the coolest scenes we've ever been to. Literally, there was a pool in the middle of it that was about a foot and a half deep, which means it's pointless. But it was very cool. And expensive. Have I imagined how cool the room was? And expensive. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but we learned a lot of other things, too. For example, his dad is a goddamn maniac. He's a crazy person. Uh, he's a credited child actor. <laughs> how much money he didn't make at Penske? Uh, getting fired at Penske. That's right. uh, the lengths at which Jimmy Vassar would go to get laid. 
Uh, speaking of which, an amazing Lance Armstrong story. Yeah, that's probably the highlight of the whole episode. But uh, there is some serious moments, too, uh, including uh, the tragic sides of the sport, some tragic sides of his love life, and, of course, general love advice. So all of this took place at uh, Dominic's Steakhouse in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Super cool place. I had the petite filet and I think Brussels sprouts. They were oh, so good. So good. Also pretty good bread. Uh, as was their chicken sandwich. You didn't have a chicken sandwich. I had the goddamn chicken sandwich. You didn't sandwich. have a chicken sandwich. You did have the chicken you sandwich. Have a, I do did. you guys have to do this now? Come on. I'm, I'm trying to drive. Sorry, Dario. Sorry to your beautiful face. Sorry. Anyways, uh, PT was great. Learned a lot about him. And uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Obviously, sponsored by... Continental Tire. No, you got to do it like I this. Continental Tire. Fine. Nailed it. Not really. Meow. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. What? Set up here in the yeah, we're good to go. Hey. Hey. So we're doing this live? I no, oh, no, no, it's no, not live. No, it's not we'll, live. We'll yeah. Put that on, we'll explain the whole thing. Uh, so, about 20 minutes ago, there was no one here and it was quiet. And then a sea of dude bros showed up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all good. Um, but, uh, so we knew it was a private party. What we didn't expect is it's like a sea of like 40 dudes that all clearly play golf together and like reminisce about playing college sports. Pretty normal around here. I believe this time of year. Here in yeah. Phoenix, exactly. <laughs> so what we're afraid of, like right now it's okay, but as they start getting drinker, uh, more and drunk. more drunk, I'm already, <laughs> um, that uh, the, as you may know, the key to being funny isn't being funny, it's just being louder. And I have a feeling that's that's where this is going to go. But we'll see. Well, we need to get you drunk. Oh, I, don't I heard drink. you don't drink. I don't. I heard <laughs> you drink drink once for Mario. Holy <laughs> shit. Wow. wow. Came okay. prepared. Got info. You are, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> info. You've got your inside sources. Was that uh, Dr. Kendall's long? Yes, that's, okay. that's very true. <laughs> He's got notes on us. He's like, all right, got that one out of the way. Turning this thing around. Yeah. So. Well, this is, is, this your, is this your spot? One of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I come here quite a bit. Yeah. You eat up here? No, I've actually never, I've never eaten up here. So apparently the roof comes off. Yeah, well, it's open. Well, they open it yeah. in the summer because it's so flipping hot. Yeah, they're talking yeah. about doing that tonight. Yeah. And apparently about once every three months, somebody falls in the pool. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It'd be easy to do. Yeah. We're hoping it's one of these guys tonight. <laughs> Make it interesting. <laughs> so what's up, man? What are you doing today? Uh, nothing. I just, uh, just we got a motorcycle show this weekend up in Cave Creek. How far is that? Uh, from here. It's 10 miles. Oh, north. yeah. All right. It's a little country town. It's sure. like a cowboy town. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of old, like, rustic bars. Okay. And there's a couple motorcycle bars up there, and they have this. Uh, they have in the springtime they have uh, Arizona Bike Week up there, and then they have a Biketoberfest this weekend. Okay. Like Three day deal. It's now that it's cooled down, guys. Right. People are out riding their bikes, so yeah. I had to take my truck and trailer up there, and we got to set up tomorrow and put the tent up and. Like a full on rig. Yeah. Yeah. You go to all the shows? Do you like bike fest? Uh, or, no, or I, like I'll go to Daytona. Yeah. And uh, Sturgis, and then. We go to Laughlin. Which Laughlin's kind of getting, you know, it's kind of getting run down a little bit. So I don't know if we'll go back to that one this year. Now this is all part of a company. I want to say it's Black Label Baggers. Black Label Baggers. Is it yeah. So it's all. Yeah. Is it all primarily aftermarket bike stuff, or does anything sort of aftermarket Harley for touring Harley bikes? Okay. So it's uh, saddlebags, fenders, tank extensions. We build a lot of fiberglass parts. Nice. Okay. And that's your whole deal. Yeah, billet parts. How much of that are you doing yourself? Quite a bit. I mean, I'm involved with it every day. Right. It gives me something to do. That I understand. 
And that's, I mean, that's one of the things, like, when you think about people that are, like, ex-indie car drivers or whatever, you don't necessarily associate them with, with big metalhead bike guys or whatever, but that's been your kind of whole thing the, the whole time. I've had bikes yeah. forever. My first, my first motorcycle was a Harley. No How old were you? Well, I had dirt bikes before that, but yeah. my first, I was, I just signed with Penske, and I first got my first paycheck, and I went out and bought a Harley. Is that the first thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You signed that bike? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. No, I don't have it, but it was a 91. It was the first Harley I had. Oh, I've always messed around with custom bikes. Is that a thing in Canada? Yeah. yeah that's popular everywhere. Yeah. Now, you say you don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's something that seems to have carried through your whole career uh, in the sense that, um, like, when you're, let's say you're driving for Penske, did you, did you care more then than you would now as far as what got out? Uh, I, no, I don't, really I don't really care too much right now. Like right. When I was younger, yeah, I did care. Like, when I drove for Penske, they... They manufactured basically everything you would say. Sure. Right, right. You know, and everything would be checked by three PR people before <laughs> it was ever put out. So right. that was probably where I got into my most trouble was just saying stuff off the off Without the cuff, going through. You know? yeah. If you had had Twitter in, say, the mid-90s, would you have been fired earlier? I would have never had a job. I don't think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have been hireable. <laughs> have, have you seen a change in the Penske, like, mentality on that side because you look at a guy like Keselowski now who's pretty opinionated and says a lot of things and tweets a lot of things he seems to get away with it I think Roger's a lot more slack than he used to be yeah I think he puts up with a lot more right than when I mean when I was there I mean you had Rick and Emerson and they were kind of corporate older guys and they never they never really spoke right out of turn you know like said anything too controversial yeah. or they were pretty PC yeah and same with Danny Sullivan too so you know, I was young, and you know, I think as I, I mean, I def I definitely got fired over it. You know, like the f everybody says I I got fired twice. The, f the first time that I left Penske Racing was in '95. I left because there was that we had a three car team, and they had Emerson, and Emerson was still under contract to Marlboro, and he had one or two more years left on his contract, and was getting older, and I was like the, you know, the young guy I wasn't really getting paid very much when I drove at, during that contract my first contract with Penske and he wanted to move me into the Bettenhausen team for a se for a season yeah for well they'd give me a new car but they wanted to move me into another team until Emerson retired for a, a year or two right and I was winning races then and doing really well and I didn't want to be slid off to the side team sure and uh I declined that. My, you know, my dad read through our contract, and he couldn't, didn't really have the option to do that. And I, we had gone back, backing up a little bit. We, after my third year there, I was won five races and was third in the championship. And I think I got paid a hundred grand for the year. <laughs> and that's and my, back when like they had big money from oh, Marlboro. Emerson, Emerson was yeah. getting like four million dollars a year. Jesus Christ! Al Jr. was making that. And, yeah. And I got paid a hundred grand in my in '93. Mm -hmm. So my dad went back to, to Roger, and he was like, hey, you know, Paul's doing pretty well. Do you think we can get a raise? And he's like, nope. <laughs> you really? signed the contract. So when the time came that he wanted to move me to Bettenhausen, my dad went through the contract, and there was a clause in the contract that if he wanted to move me into a satellite team, we both had to agree on it or okay. he couldn't do it. Right. So he said, hey, I want to move Paul over to Bettenhausen for a year or two and then bring him back. And... And my dad was like, nope. 
<laughs> he goes, well, what do you mean, nope? He goes, well, here's this you wrote clause. It. He goes, yeah. you, you signed the contract. My, yeah. dad told, my dad told him. So then I, I went and tested an F1. and uh, Benetton? With Benetton. Yeah, and yeah. then I, I signed with Newman Haas. And then literally by, by May of the next season, Roger had re-signed me to come back because they, they didn't qualify at Indy. And Rogers tracked me down in the pit lane and was like BSing with me. Hey, we, I need you to come back. And right. I'm like, okay. He's just after qualifying, come to my office in Detroit and let's make a deal. And I was re-signed back to Penske's team by May. And uh, they, they moved Emerson into Bettenhausen <laughs> for, for <laughs> the last year of his career. Yeah, he got the Ho well, Hogan. What was Bettenhausen and it turned into Hogan. So they slid him over into that deal. What, what was the number? I just, I basically went back and said, I don't want, I don't want, I want to be treated equally to everybody else. Right. I don't want it more. I don't want less. Just yeah. Maybe the same. the same. Yeah. You know, nice. and I got a private plane deal and they, I flew around everywhere on a citation yeah. three and it was not, it was nice. It was good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about current IndyCar salaries, but I'm going to argue most of the guys aren't making those kind of numbers now. No, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I think Dixon gets paid pretty well. Right. You know, Dario at the end of his career was getting paid well. Yeah, that's what he said. But I and I don't know what Castro Neves was getting. I would imagine he gets paid pretty well, but sure. I mean, yeah, right, yeah. Right. I don't know that for a fact. For sure, for sure. So when you started at Penske, I mean, what I remember is is so you dominated through what would now be Indy Lights, uh, won like nine races or something like that. You know, you uh, basically sign under a testing contract, which existed in those days. Um, but from what I understand, you kind of already got off on, I don't know if the wrong was right word, but when you started with Penske, you were already in hot water because, you know, you would show up injured and things like that. Like, wasn't it Long Beach 93 that uh, you were on the verge of getting fired? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that you laugh about it. <laughs> well, I was already in hot water because I came here to Phoenix and ran here. And this was 93. 93. Yeah. And I lapped, and I lapped this the point, field twice. And you hadn't done a full season by this no. point. Yeah. I qualified fifth or sixth here. And uh, race started, and I took off, and I was just going running like car was perfect, 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 perfect. And everybody else was sliding around all over the place. And I lapped the field twice in that race. I had everybody a lap down by the first pit stop, 70 laps in. And, uh, you know, they came on the radio towards the end of the race, and they're like, hey, just slow down, slow down, slow down. We, you got a two-lap lead, just slow down. And I kind of got out of my groove, and, and I went to go pass, I think it was Vassar, and I dove down into one to, to pass him, and instead of just going through, he started to turn down, and I was like, I backed out of it, and I, I lost it and, and hit the wall. So I was already in hot water before I went to Long Beach. And... Uh, I got to L.A. We went out to L.A. the next day. I was staying with a buddy of mine, and I went out with Mark Smith, who raced, uh, who was racing Indy cars at that time too. We were teammates in, in Indy Lights. And they're like, he goes, hey, let's go out to the go-kart track. I got some guy has got some shifter carts, and we'll go out and blow off some steam nice. on Tuesday. Yeah. In the early 90s. Yeah, so we yeah, go out. Really developed. We're having fun and goofing around, and me and Mark Smith, crashed into each other at the end of the straightaway as you did. at Adams. <laughs> I'm going to guess it wasn't your fault. 
I don't know what happened, but we, we ended up <laughs> we ended up touching wheels. I think I uh, he was trying to pass me, and we banged wheels, and my cart flipped, and right. I went end over end, and <laughs> and it's like days before Long Beach. This was like Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no gloves on. Yep. I had As a, you do. A Nomex racing suit. Not a not, bottom, a, not yeah, a, uh, yeah. So I was vinyl. like, yeah. it tore this whole suit apart. Right. right. <laughs> like a proper Penske yeah. driver. Skinned all my hands off raw, like because I had no gloves and I was slid down the pavement with my hands on the pavement. Right. And yep. Just tore all my elbows and knuckles and knees. Nice. Twisted and, my ankle. And by this point, you've been with Penske a year and a half doing sort of one-off yeah. races. Still hadn't won a race by this point. Yeah. And here you are three days before one of the biggest races of the year. Yeah. All right. So I show up to Long Beach, and they're like, Jesus Christ, what the hell happened to you? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I went mountain biking and crashed. <laughs> I was training. <laughs> they're like, okay, whatever. Right. right. But I, you know, I ended up winning the race that weekend. <laughs> so so worked know, out. I'm like, shit, I got to make something happen here. Right. I'm really in deep shit. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. So after the race was over, I'll never forget this. Roger goes to me. Uh, he said so, uh, he said something off offhand. He said, "Hey, congratulations on your first win." Blah blah blah. Just stay off that mountain bike at the go kart track. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so, so actually, I'm going to put you on the spot with that in mind. Um, speaking of accidents, so there was a, you were out for a little bit because of what was said to be an ATV accident a few years ago and the rumor has always been that you might have been running golf carts through like sand traps or something like that and and that's what actually led to the incident well i'll tell you the whole story yes <laughs> it was oh this wasn't that long ago like 10 years was, ago yeah it was oh five or oh five or yeah. some somewhere when, when i was with Forsyth. okay oh five oh six and we had australia and then the last race, there was a race got canceled. We were supposed to go to Fontana. Oh, that was for the fires. fires. Yeah, so right. the race got canceled. And then mm. there was one more race in Mexico City. And it was like a basically a six or seven week break between the two races. Right. <laughs> right. So effectively, the season's over. Right. Board A had already won the championship. Right. Everybody's positions were basically, I was locked into third in the championship or wherever I finished. Right. Nobody, you know, everybody was kind of where they were at in the championship and it, it was like a meaningless race. Right? right. So, and it was Halloween. So Carpentier, I lived, me, Carpentier, and Tag, and Miguel Duhamel, motorcycle racer yes, all lived yeah. all lived in the same neighborhood <laughs> that's so, trouble Carpentier had this Halloween party and we get over there and everybody at the party is flipping hammered mm-hmm. right <laughs> so we start drinking and having fun and I I drove over there from my house which my house to his house was a quarter mile down oh, the street okay, right so I drove over there in in this Rhino, Razor Rhino. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. UTV. Okay, yeah, yeah. UTV. Yeah. So, we're all drinking and have a good time. Everybody's having fun. It gets late, and I don't know who it was. I think it was Miguel. It was like, "Hey, let's go in that Rhino. Let's go in that Rhino. Let's go in that Rhino." Because <laughs> <laughs> four drunk drivers and yes, riders all with time on their hands. Yeah, yeah we're all hammered. <laughs> it's like, okay, they all we all get in it. And yep, this always leads to good things. We're flying around the golf course on this thing mm-hmm. and hit hit kind hit of a sand trap berm you know where it right, did right, this right. and the thing flipped <laughs> tag hit his head on the ground was out cold oh, oh, oh out cold moaning right. and groaning for 
we thought he was dead. Like, right. He didn't make a noise for 10 minutes. Right. Oh. He was laid out on the ground, like right. didn't, not moving. Right. Good. Solid. And uh, Pat and Miguel took off running to go get it, call somebody. Uh, like, way uh, out in the middle of the call. Floor. I was <laughs> hoping it was like the, the eight-year-old, like, just run. You no. leave him. Leave him. <laughs> and when the thing flipped over, I kind of like came halfway out of it in the the roll bar fucking landed up like up it pinned me on the ground and it right. broke my shoulder good Ugh. solid okay. yeah solid so i couldn't <laughs> run the last race i tried to rehab it for i had like four weeks to get ready and right. i yeah. i couldn't even lift my arm like yeah. jesus my, i couldn't yeah. lift my arm this far for right. two months right so who, i missed the last race who was knocked out tag tag, tag. tag. did he did he remember it all Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he was, <laughs> so he was out. I mean, he was literally out cold for ten minutes. Right. Right. Jesus. I don't think he's ever been the same since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ended up down in the UMC emergency room all night. Yeah. They were doing like CAT scans on him because he was, you know, he was out of it. Yeah. And I'm in a sling, and it was. Did the party? Okay. Keep going? How are we gonna How are we gonna explain this one? Right. Let's get yeah, our yeah, story yeah. straight. Right. So what did you sell it as? I sold it as I was out on a UTV and I flipped it. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's all Don't you ask anymore. For it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing is time on your hands is a very dangerous thing. Back then, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we, we're, we're bringing up things. You've clearly done your homework because of Dr. Kendall Schlong. The, uh, <laughs> the first thing he told us was that Kendall Schlong is coming. That came from you. Mm-hmm. And that you're like the master of nicknames. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's <laughs> Kendall Schlong. There's, I, I, I don't even know if I'm getting right. Like Geely Geen? Oh, uh, uh, Geel. Geel Bush. Gil Bush. Oh, Gil Bush. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see where we're going here. Okay. Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Fair enough. And then your latest thing is jive. That everybody's got a jive mm-hmm. to it. I think I, I think I called Joseph that. Up. I called him uh, New Jive on TV <laughs> last year, towards the end new of the year jive. when he started coming on strong. I said, yeah, yeah. Joseph, New Jive. So let's go back to the very very beginning. You start out doing carts in Canada, and I guess the, what was the quote? from TK about his parents? Uh, it was from Robin L. Miller. Ah, Dr. Robin L. Miller. Dr. Yeah. Robin L. Miller, DDS. Uh, <laughs> said, now, let's just get it straight. Robin, he exaggerates on his stories quite a bit. We hadn't noticed. We, we met with him, like, yeah. it feels like a year ago, but like two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. 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 And uh, he called Ashley Judd a raging bitch oh, within, like, within like six seconds of sitting down. <laughs> yeah, like, so. yeah, he's not a fan of Ashley. <laughs> nope, and, nor Jenna Fryer, as it turns out. Yeah, not a fan. So, um, but... Uh, he said, let me, let me get the proper quote here, but uh, to understand Paul Tracy, you just need to spend 10 minutes with Tony and Vivian Tracy. And that was his way of sort of describing you. My dad's one of those, uh, was always a little bit of an over overbearing kind of... Uh, like a little league dad? Little league dad. Yeah. Okay. Very pa- very passionate about me. As I sure. could do no wrong. And yeah, right. So once I got into Indy cars and it was I was around Penske, it's like yeah. it was too much. Like they basically had to ban him from the track. That, that's what we heard. Was yeah, that we like heard he was exactly. banned he was just from. Like, if I didn't have a good session, he would like be all over everybody. Oh. Like, what the is going on? Right, and, right. Like to give you an example, like when I was racing go karts, we used to go to this track, and I used to race against the uh, the owner's son at the track, and he was the hot guy out there. He couldn't be beat. And I started go kart racing and started beating him. So every time I was ahead of him, I'd be leading the race, and I get this meatball flag. Yeah, right. Something wrong with your cart pull off, <laughs> right? So we'd come in, and there'd be nothing wrong with the cart. And we'd ask him, oh, we thought the chain guard was hanging off or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. Next weekend, come back, leading the race, and meatball flag. The guy's son's in second, right? And it was the, it was the guy's 
the guy, the kid's older brother or his, un his uncle that was the flagman at this track. I got you. So this goes on for like four or five weeks, giving me the black flag <laughs> yeah, every yeah, week. Yeah. So my, da my dad says to me, he's like, this week, if they give you the black flag, don't come in. Just stay out there. I'm like, okay. Sure. So I'm leading the race, and out comes the black flag. And I come around the track the next lap, and my dad's out there at the start-finish line in front of the flagman, <laughs> right? And I'm now I'm like, I'm like looking like this. I'm right. like driving, and I'm what looking, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And I come around again, and literally this guy's, the flagman's on his hands and knees trying to scurry away from my dad, and my dad's <laughs> kicking him in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, dad had, uh, my dad had punched him and knocked him to the ground and then was like booting him in the ass Solid. from behind. <laughs> this guy was trying <laughs> to get the, away at from At the go-kart track. At the, the go-kart track. Yeah. So and you're what, 12? I was, no, I was like probably nine nice <laughs> nice <laughs> so <laughs> my dad got banned from the go-kart track <laughs> at that time so i would have he would have to like bring me to the track with the truck and, the, and our cart in the back park it get the cart out and then like basically leave me there and and like go outside and stand on the old on the highway outside <laughs> outside the fence <laughs> they, you know this like just muttering yeah wood yeah. pillars with like that metal fence right. you know just like old school 70s fence so he would have to stand out there all day while i i would go over and tell him and he'd say okay change the gear and okay right, you know, right. do this and do that and right. set your pressures and i would did everything and he had to stand outside the track because right. he wasn't allowed in the is track is there any anymore. other dad out there with him or is he the only no, one no he was the only one that's awesome. Yeah. What did your dad do? Uh, my dad had a construction company okay. in Toronto. Yeah. That makes sense. And uh, he came to Toronto in 66 or 67. Yeah. So my vision then is he's like one of these don't f with me kind of guys in the construction sense. and like, But like the guys around him probably would kill for him. Small group of guys. And my, my two uncles worked for him. He had this Greek guy named George that worked for him forever until he died. And uh, my dad's first big contract in uh, when he came to Canada was he, he helped build the CN Tower. Oh, oh okay. So yeah. it was like a big deal. Yeah, but, <laughs> right. I'll show you guys a picture. Cool. And he was up there hanging off the CN Tower, no safety ropes, no nothing. Yeah. And it's his company, but he's, he's every bit as in the dirt as the rest of the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Look at that. Oh, f And that's him. Yeah, that's my dad. That's awesome. Yeah, all right. That is some Daniel Plainview shit right yeah, there. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, send us that? Yeah. Cool. Have you ever seen There Will Be Blood? No. Okay. You might appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. This is my son, PT. <laughs> <laughs> You'll, it'll all make sense later. <laughs> all right. So now we know. Well, the, 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 the legend has it your dad was, you know, he, he had, had some money, and he would drive you to the cart track with the cart in the back of a Rolls Royce uh -huh. to kind of just really set the tone for what raised PT to be PT. He made good money off that CN Tower deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got a deal to build a lot of GM factories right. in Canada, out okay. in Oshawa. Yeah, but I'd say that's pretty close to Mossport now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're all closed down now, all, okay. those, all those production plants. But right. So he was making a lot of money back then. And it wasn't. It started out. It wasn't in a rolls, but we used, we used to go, <laughs> he used to drop me off in a pickup truck and a can of gas when I was literally I was I was from when I first started go kart racing. Before he beat up the owner of the tracks, <laughs> <laughs> uncle, 
his brother, <laughs> he used to drop me out there, out to the track, and I would literally, when I was like six years old, right in the summertime, he'd go to work, and uh, it, we used to go out to this track called Whitby Cartway, which is, there's a town in Whitby. In Whitby, yep. Ontario. Yep. Yeah, That's pretty was, close to Mossboard. Yeah, it's yeah. close to Oshawa. So okay. he would drop me on the way, drop me off there at like 8 o'clock in the morning, and then come back at like 5 or 6 at night and pick me up. Nice. And just leave me there, and he'd give me like five bucks or something, or three dollars to eat, and play some video games and, and a can that. of gas. And I'd run the cart around all day and hang around with the track and the owner of the tracks. You know, their their family sure. lived there. They they had a house on the property oh, and okay. a little That's snack bar. Yeah. And it was, okay. You know, living the way it was back then. Yeah, so yeah. they would watch watch out for me all day, and then. Then my dad beat up the guy's brother, and everyone, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to come up anymore. <laughs> dad, my friends. So was showing up in a Rolls Royce a statement, or was that just like the car he had? And no, so it's just I still that's the that's the, that's his favorite car. My dad still has a couple of Rolls Royces. That's yeah. awesome. He likes '70s Silver Shadow Rolls yeah. Royces. Yeah, he's got two of them right now. Nice. <laughs> That's his thing. Nice. And the, the legend goes that when you started moving up to, like, say, Formula Fords, that um, you may have taken off all four corners because of him telling yeah. you how to drive. Yeah. So, well, hang on. tell me about uh, Go ahead. What about the... we got to hear the Buick story. The what? The oh. Buick story. Oh, Buick. that's right. Yeah. So, well, so you're still a teenager, and uh, your dad, with, with the CN Tower money, decides to buy your mom a Buick. Oh. <laughs> Where did you guys get all this info I, from? I think the same we know people. You. We know people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well... My my mom was in Florida. We just got in a house in Florida, and and she was down there for the the winter and was coming back for Christmas. And uh, it was like two days before Christmas. And my dad bought my mom some, you know, just some regular Buick, you know, normal family car for yeah. for Christmas. So he got it from GM. He was working out at GM, so he got some killer deal on it. And I'm sure he did. It hasn't. It wasn't registered yet. There was well, no yeah, insurance on it. They were probably no terrified they just gave him right? the car. So. <laughs> yeah, so beat the out of the game. I'm, yeah. I'm on, you know, Christmas break with for, from school sure. with my buddies, and I was 16 at the time. So. Right, and already a badass Carter, yeah. so you know how to drive. Sure. So my dad says, hey, go to the store and get some milk, right? <laughs> I need some milk. Sure. So I'm like, okay, can I take that new car? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I pile in the car with my buddies. We're all down down in the basement screwing around. Yeah. So where where my house was, where the convenience store was, was right next to my high school. And in the high school parking lot was a big, huge, square parking lot, and it had one row of curbs down the center of it. Yes. And the whole thing was covered in snow. Uh, okay, okay. So it perfect. It was a nice yep. big oval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And this is a rear-wheel drive car. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So I'm like going around this thing, and I'm just all doing a sprint car deal around it, all yeah. sideways the whole way around this right. this parking lot, and then I I lost it and slid across into the curbing <laughs> on the outside and like knocked the rear end out of it and hit a tree. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got to walk over to the convenience store and use the payphone because there wasn't any cell phones back there. Right. I get. 25 cents out of my I buy the milk and I got 25 cents change right and I got to call my dad and I'm like hey dad you need to come pick me up <laughs> crash the car he's like what he's like I said bring bring your truck and a rope <laughs> right and he's like shows up and he's like fucking so mad yeah <laughs> like he's like told my friends to walk home right from there yeah and basically told me I was done. He says, you're done. You're done. Your racing's <laughs> over. You're done. Yeah. And he literally didn't speak to me for three months. Jesus. He wouldn't even talk to me. 
Well, I think the way you stuffed it, like you couldn't even store yourself out of this one. No. Because it was yeah. stuck, right? Yeah, right. You just yeah. got to own up at that <laughs> yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the other, the other thing that happened at that age, which we discovered on our own, <laughs> was that you were a giant TV star by this point. Well, uh, I don't know about that. Because you were... <laughs> you're on IMDb. You, you're on IMDb um, in like 1985, which would have made you 17, um, for starring in The Little Hobo. Yeah, I was the littlest hobo. The littlest, littlest hobo. hobo. Come on, yeah. man. It was a popular show in Canada. Yeah, we watched the, we watched the, the, the clip with <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, we watched the episode. Yeah, yeah. But I think I was only about 12 or 13 when I did that okay. show. Okay, right. I wasn't, I wasn't old enough to drive then. Nice. Was it, uh, but were you just one of the cart racers? You're not, like, you're not featured in it. No, I was, I was one of the cart racers, and they had me standing around. Right. And, like, <laughs> the guy used know. one of your, I think the guy used I was your the helmet. Stunt, I was your the helmet. stunt driver. Right, right. At 12 years you old. Know. Did you get your SAG card? I should have. I should have. No, but that was that was pretty fun actually, because it's it's amazing that's still on. You oh, it's find on, YouTube. It on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Look yeah, up, yeah. Uh, what was it like the, the littlest, littlest hobo, hobo episode, titled Torque. Torque. Yeah. Because the girl's name. <laughs> the is girl's Torque. name's Torque. Yeah, yeah. It's got a dog and everything. Well, yeah. the dog is the hobo. The dog is the hobo. Oh, shows like, what I know. Come on, I didn't man. figure the that dog, out. I'll the get dog it together. Would go around and like yeah. kind of cruise around and just help people in need if there's any yeah, trouble. He was like Canadian Lassie. To town yeah. to town. He, no, no, because Lassie stayed with the same family. Oh, so, oh I didn't. Okay, so the dog is the so hobo, the, and he I travels around and like that's the new story. Like he, he tra- right. travels around and saves people. Right, right. Yeah. So the story was is that there was some rival rival go kart. Guys, right. yeah. like this girl that was trying to make it, and this Torque. other dude that was, that was trying to yeah. sabotage her card, and <laughs> yeah, and and he took off like a lug nut or something, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and Torque, or, uh, the hobo found it. Yeah, well, hobo saw the guy do it, right? So then the guy tries to trap hobo in the garage. He then sneaks out through a side you door. Watch the whole thing. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got time. <laughs> <laughs> hobo sneaks out the side door. Kid crashes the cart. They come and rescue him. Then he shows them where the lug nuts hit. Ironically, yeah. the track that we filmed that whole thing out, which was my home, That's closest track to Goodwood my house, or whatever. was Goodwood, yeah. uh, Hinchcliffe, and uh, today, today they were yeah. there today yeah. doing oh, a media I, it. Day. I was like, holy, <laughs> same track, <laughs> the little Sobo. Yeah, yeah, it's the exact same track. Yeah. Yep. it hasn't changed uh-huh. either. <laughs> the same little garage is right there next to the corner where we had our. It, it, the track's it's the, the same. Whole thing. Nice. All right. How much you get paid for that? Oh, uh, not 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 very much. I, Maybe five hundred dollars or three hundred dollars was nothing. Yeah, yeah. But paid actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So then you move up to to, to proper cars, and again, the, the legend has it that was it the Formula Ford Festival. Yeah. Or was well, it, yeah, it was a brand hatch. Formula Fords. Yeah. yeah. So you have a brand hatch. Uh, you race Formula Fords at Brands Hatch, and your dad, who, as I understand, is not a racer. No. Well, my dad raced motorcycles a little bit. Oh, he did. So okay. he says. <laughs> yeah, so he says. Copy. But right. I was I raced in Canada. And I was the factory Van Diemen driver in Canada, and my main my main arch nemesis was Scott Maxwell. Oh yeah. Oh okay. He's so him not. and I used to just go at it like fucking crazy right. every weekend, we're battling each other. <laughs> Here's a funny story you might not have heard, because he 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 still gets mad about it today. Nice. When I bring it up, he's we were racing each other and into it with each other, and for, for his little sister took a liking to me, and. Uh, we started talking at races. She'd come around, and and uh, one day Scott Scott came home. He was in, I think he was in college at that point. And I was still in high school. Right. He came home from college one night, and I'm I'm on the couch. I'm sitting on the couch <laughs> watching TV with yes. his sister. And he walks in the door. <laughs> and he was like, "You motherfucker." <laughs> his sister's name was uh, his name is Robin. So. If we ever run into Scott Maxwell, you have to ask him about that. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, <laughs> well, about will. To say, now there'll be a few thousand. <laughs> so, 
apparently you guys are at Goodwood, you know, or Brent's Hatch. You, you and your dad are walking the track. Get to the final corner. It's very fast. You know, not quite flat out apparently, but it wasn't even close to flat out. Right. And your pops thought he it was. He says that corner's flat. Yeah. I said no, it's not. He goes, yeah, it is. I said, no, it's not. There's no way it's flat out. Because I had a long straightaway leading up to it. Yeah. It was a third gear, you know. But you're in fourth, top of fourth when you got there. Right. He said, well, if you're not going to take it flat out, we might as well go home. Might as well just pack up and go home. And I'm like, okay. And you're 16 or something? Yeah, yeah, I was 16. It was yeah. a race of champions. It was. Uh, they took every champion from every country, brought them over to England, and everybody got the same car, same spec, yeah. and it was a challenge race. So I got to qualify, and uh, it was a Grand Prix weekend. It was a long, long circuit at Brands. And I get warmed up, and I'm turning my qualifying lap, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Flat. Yeah, yeah. Here we go, and I f***ing went off <laughs> and <laughs> ripped two corners off of it in the tire barrier. Right. Nice. And I came back with the car, and I'm like, Dad, that corner's not flat. He goes, okay, whatever. So he never tried to co tell me how to drive. Again, after that. Well, at least it happened then and not later in the career. But uh, nice. Sorry, I tried to kill you. <laughs> so you, when you ran Formula Ford, you were like the youngest his, uh, youngest driver in history in Formula Ford Canada? Well, yeah, I was only 16. I just got my driver's license. So. Right. And then I didn't know this about you until I did some research. You won the last Can-Am race in history. Mm -hmm. And you won it in the old Frisbee Lola Chevy, which was Mo at Mossport. What were you, 17? So the youngest. History. Yeah. Youngest winner in F5000 history, or sorry, Canada history. Horst Kroll, who owned the car, yeah. had his little Porsche shop, was was two or three miles down the road from our house. And my dad would stop in there and bull with him and make fun of his wig. And <laughs> and just uh, one day, he's, they had the I was racing F2000 cars, and uh, Horst said... Uh, you know, maybe Paul should do this Can-Am race. It's right. like going to be the last one. My dad was like, okay. So I hadn't driven anything more than that had more than 150 horsepower. Yeah. So I get in this Can-Am car, and I didn't have a seat, nothing. I sat on a f***ing moving blanket. Right. This thing, right? I get in this thing. It was, it was a formula. It wasn't a, 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 a Frisbee, so to speak, like the Frizzell's built. Right. It was a, it was a Lola Formula 5000 car right. with a Frisbee body on it. Gotcha. So... I get in this thing and I'm like, they don't have, they didn't make a seat for me or anything. I just got in this thing. And I stacked up some blankets on the on the floor and right. you know, <coughs> um, tighten up the belts to go. Right, right. It's dang most <laughs> dangerous thing ever because that that car did 180 miles an hour. Yeah, most part on straightaway. Yeah. Right, you know, and they would take off flying because it still had a big hump at the end of yep. the back straightaway. Yep. and a couple of them in the years past could backflip yeah. at the end of the back straightaway. So. He had me do the race, and Horst was like, first, I remember this first practice session, I was out in the F2000 car, and it was, it was dry, and then it started to rain, and it pour, started pouring. My first practice session in a Can-Am car was in the pouring rain at Mossport. I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. It was like, this thing was like spinning the tires right, right. all the way up the straight. It was 850 horse. Jesus Christ. Just right. like right. tires, yeah, yeah. Right. you know, just like out of control, right. this thing. And we had qualifying next, and I qualified on the pole. <laughs> and I'll never forget this. Horst, Horst says to me after qualifying, like the next day we had another practice session before the race, and he's like, okay, kid. He says, uh, I want you to follow me 
and uh, I'm going to show you the line, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. So we go out, and he's like running, and I'm like right behind him, right? I'm following him, following him. He's right, I'm right on his ass. Yeah. So we do a lap, and then he's going faster and going faster and going faster. I'm like right on him. Like he's not, I think he's trying to lose me, sure. but he can't. So we come out of turn eight, the long sweeper around at the yep. end of the back straight, yep. and he loses it <laughs> there and like hits the Armco in nine and bounces out into the track right in front of me. Oh. Right? Because the Armco was like a yeah. spring yeah. right yeah. then. Yeah. So he hits the wall and it bounces out right in front of me, and I hit him head on, <laughs> like nose to nose, and tear up both cars. I couldn't yeah, stop. Yeah. yeah, right. In cars that weren't known for their safety. No. Yeah. yeah. Open top, too. So. And I'll never forget this. I, I bent the tow link. It smashed the fiberglass on my car. And if you see old pictures of my car from the race, mine had a big white nose on it. Right. It didn't paint, didn't match. Right. And then uh, it bent the tow link on mine. It, it didn't do major damage, but it just we, we'd hit each other because he'd spun right in front of me. And I remember going up into the garage. Like, I had to go out after that for practice in the do the race in the F2000 car and I came back to the garage because then right after the F2000 race was the Can-Am race so I came back to the garage and there was maybe an hour or two in between and the guy had the he had the uh, tie rod for the thing in the f***ing vi in the vice and he was like be like bending Just it back straight with a hammer right right like <laughs> not replacing the tie rod so this thing's not even straight it's like this right it's yeah. got like it was bent in a 45 and now it's kind of like it's got a wobble in well, it well metal when you shape it back is always stronger I know yeah <laughs> yeah and I believe I believe it was aluminum too it wasn't oh, yeah, that's known better. for being flexible yeah. and good yeah, yeah. yeah. solid yeah so but at the things the things then that you remember that let that you did back then right. and you think about think back on it now it's like why did I, right. it must have been crazy to do that right you know well, it's like when I drove for Penske, you know, we, we'd go out to Nazareth when we were doing that stock block deal yeah, yeah, yeah. with, the, with that the push motor, rod, and yeah. the push rod motor, and we'd yeah. be out there in January, February with five-foot snow banks on the inside of the track. Yeah. Freezing temperatures. They'd plow yeah. the track off, and it would be in the 20s, and oh, freezing Jesus. cold. Right. And I'm, like, in a, in a snowsuit right. and, like, ski gloves right. driving around the track in, in those kind of temperatures. And they, wouldn't, they won't even let you attempt doing that now. Yeah, right. Yeah. No kidding. You know, yeah. it's not happening. <laughs> Actually, the, the push rod thing is always an interesting one. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of books and, and articles you can read about that, and that's not what we're about. But um, Reading? Reading, yeah, <laughs> that's not our thing. Um, but what was that process like in terms of the, the development? Because it kind of came out of nowhere when it showed up at Indy, and people didn't necessarily know what you guys were planning. How long was that process on your end? Like, when did, when did they tell you, and when did the testing start? They just told me one day, hey, you need to come to Nazareth. We're going to go test. Right. They didn't tell me No anything. clue. Yeah, no yeah. clue. I didn't yeah. even know what I was going to test. They just right. said, we're going to Nazareth. They said, what are you going to Nazareth? It's freezing cold. Right. So just get on the plane. Here's your flight. Come here. Because yeah. most of the team didn't even know. Sure. There was only a handful of guys. It was test team guys. Uh, that There was three or four guys that prepped that car. Right. And only the management knew about it. Sure. So I went to Nazareth and showed up. Showed showed up at the track and there was the car and it had a weird engine cover on it and was it wasn't the same same engine cover as what we were testing out at Phoenix right you know and for the regular season sure you know do you think that was there a difference in things they would tell you versus like Al Jr. Mo or anybody like that like I don't can tell Tracy he's not going to know not to say something or anything like that mm, no I don't think so because I did I did most of the testing sure. on that I think I think they knew Emerson and Al knew knew of the motor and everything sure you know, it became knowledge within the team. 
but nobody talked back yeah. then about yeah. it. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, is that we did, I did thousands of miles of testing. Right. I probably did 15 days of testing at Nazareth in the winter, like every flipping other day. Like really? we'd go out. In 20 degree temperatures. Yeah, and yeah. it would, the motor blow up. The first time I took the thing out, it blew up in 10 laps. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'd go back to the shop, come back the next day with an, another motor in it. They'd rebuild the motor overnight. Jesus. And, you know, then a couple days later, do it again and do it again and do it yeah, again yeah. and do mm -hmm. it again. And the crazy thing is, is that the Andretti's never even bothered to come down from their hilltop perch right. and take a look right. at what was I mean, going on. miles away from where they live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's nothing going on in Nazareth in the middle of the winter. They live yeah. on top of a hill. Yeah. You can see, almost see the track from their house. Right. See the grandstands at least. Hey, there's all these uh, Penske trucks outside. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> they never, nobody ever came down to see no what we were running. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you would think it would sound different. You know, it did sound different. I'm it was sure. much lower pitched. Yeah. So, you know, back then there was no social media. There was no cell phones, so to speak, taking right. pictures and, right. you know, yeah, posting you had to them really around. Know how to get that stuff out. Yeah, you had to physically call somebody on the phone to tell somebody about something. <laughs> right. Exactly. And nowadays nobody talks on the phone anymore. They don't yeah. know what a number is. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Would you ever go on the management side, or are you happy doing what you're doing? No, I like doing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice. No, I don't think I would be a good manager. <laughs> People don't listen to me very much, I don't think. <laughs> so you got to do the test at Estoril for Benetton? Yeah. Was that a shootout? No. No, it was just, I got... Uh, and you did two, there was one in 93 and one in 94. I just did one in 94. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, my, dad is, my dad knew Bernie Ecclestone from a long time ago when I was a kid. And uh, when I was doing well at Penske and I became available, Bernie had called my dad and said, hey, I want, you, I want him to come over and test. Because okay. Mansell was coming to the States. Right. So Bernie was looking to steal somebody to go there. Yeah. And I was the hot driver. Right. Young. And by this point, was the Penske thing already, you'd already decided you weren't going to go down to the, the B team for like yes. that okay. Yeah. Pretty much we were at that stage where Roger said, I can't make you go there or go look at your options and, and that's that. don't sign anything long term he told me so yeah. we went and did the test and I showed up I went to the Benetton factory and sat in the car and got a seat made and went to the race in Estoril hung out for the weekend and kind of watched the track and what looked at all the telemetry and right. watched where the braking zones were and right. Monday comes we're supposed to start testing and Flavio brings me, gives me this contract, and he says, "Here, you got to sign this before you can drive the car." And I like start thumbing through it, and it's like this management contract where I owe him my life, right? It, right. You know, for the young folks, Flavio yeah. being the team manager of Benetton at the time, Flavio yeah. Viatori. But go on. Yeah, he wants me to sign this contract to be under management to him, and basically give give him fifty percent of everything I make for forever, for the rest of your life. Sure. So I, you know, I thumb through it and I you know then you couldn't snap a picture of it and send it to your dad on right. your right. phone you had to like physically go somewhere and find a fax machine at right. a hotel yeah. and fax it across right so I leave and I go call my dad on a pay phone and I'm like hey he wants me to sign this contract and he said well send it to me and I send it to him and I, I didn't test the first day and my dad called up Bernie and said hey Paul, uh, Flavio wants Paul to sign this contract. He goes, I can't. We can't sign any contract. We just want to do a test and see how it goes. And blah blah blah. And it's a bad contract. And I, I guess Flavio called, or uh, Bernie called Flavio and said, Hey, just put him in the car and let him run. So I, I basically the second and third day of the test, I got 
I got Schumacher's used tires that he he was testing tires for Goodyear. So he'd go out and do a run on a set of tires, do six or seven laps, and then put I'm another new set on. Yeah. So I got his tires through the day and then one new set at the end of the day. Yeah. And rumor has it you were faster than Leto and Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it went quicker than they did on the race weekend. Well, Schumacher was on a, 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 a race ban. He had missed that race. And oh, that's that was because when, yeah. he, was, he had got suspended for doing for something. Ignoring the black flag. Yeah, so stuff. they had um, Verstappen filled in for Schumacher, and I think Leto was the main driver. Yeah. And I, I went quicker than they, than, they, than they went on the weekend. Nice. And that was on the sticker run? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Did you get any time with Schumacher? I used to race go-karts against Schumacher. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so him and I always got along really well. Yeah, that's cool. My first time I went to the World Championships and Junior World Championships in 84, 83, uh, it was at his track, a track that his parents owned. Okay. So that was the first time I met him, right. and then I went back to the World Championships again in 84 and ran against him there. And him and I have always had, had a good Did he remember you when you yeah, showed yeah, up later? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So you go quicker than the two guys that are in the car during the race weekend what happens on on thursday of that week or whatever well you know? i got offered a contract to 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 go to benetton but it was a, this again it was this management contract was associated with it it was really shaky and there this was no basically pretty thing he owns no, you no matter what yeah no guarantees that i was even going to drive the car oh you know okay. that year I, I had this contract on the table from newman haas that was a really nice contract for one year and this really Crappy questionable contract, one. Yeah, questionable yeah. one, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the offer to go to stay at Penske and go to Bettenhausen, and really the Benetton one, it, did, it didn't even offer me to get paid very well either. Right. And the one with with Newman Haas, I was going to get paid quite a bit of money. So right. Right. It was the first time I, I got paid a million and a half when I went to Newman Haas. And that was most you'd ever. How old are you? Like Twenty three. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So. I went with Newman Haas, yeah. <laughs> and I never got the opportunity to go to Formula One again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I had a, sh a mediocre. It wasn't a very good year at Newman Haas. I won two races, and yeah. it was just kind of average. And then I went back to Penske and won three races in the first year, and then the second year the car was was not good, and right. I wasn't very happy with it. And that was that. And that was that. I got fired after that. <laughs> was the, uh, back to the F1 real quick. Was there, was there any, was it purely just that it made more sense to go to New House? Was there any intimidation in terms of tracks you haven't been to, all the drivers there, 90 no, pounds? I no, just, I just thought, you know what, I'm only 23 years old, and I, I, got, I got a top flight deal. I wanted to win the championship yeah, in the right. car, and I thought I could do it with Newman Haas. And right. I thought I could get it done in the first, because I almost won the championship in 93. Right. I was competitive in 94. And then I thought, okay, if I can go to Newman Haas and win the championship, the door will still be open to go to Formula One. I'm still, I'll be 24 years old, 25 right. years old. Right. And it just never, never materialized. Yeah. Was F1 the goal when you were young? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so you go to Penske, you run there 96, 97. You have some good races, but generally didn't work out. I don't think I've ever heard like, how did, how do you, how do you get fired? Like, what's was there a, is there a sit down or how does that work? Well, I. Uh, had one. I was leading the championship in '97 for the first almost half season. And uh, I won three races on the ovals right off the start of the season. Yeah, right. Bang, bang, bang. And I had a big lead in the championship. And we got on the road courses, and the car was not good on the road courses. Yeah. So just the, the car was really good when it was stiff, 
and really low, and you could keep the, you know, the underwing right on the ground on an oval. Right. I want it. I want it. Uh, St. Louis, Nazareth, Nazareth, Rio, and Rio. They're all three tracks that were all kind of similar to each other. Yeah, yeah. Where you run the car really Smooth, stiff, really, really low. low. So yeah. So once we got on the road courses and had to soften the car and raise it up. It was terrible. It was nowhere. Yeah. Horrible. And in these days, car. Penske built their yeah. own cars. Yeah, they were, right. there was Penske-designed cars. And uh, we got to Toronto, and uh, I qualified way at the back. I remember it was my hometown race, the important race, the most important race of the year for me to run well at. Yeah. I was leading the championship by a slim margin at that point <coughs> to Zanardi. And I drove my balls off the whole race all qualifying every lap like it was qualifying and I, I think I finished 10th and I was like I got out of the car and I was so pissed off and that the media was like yeah, right yeah, around right. me yeah. they're like well, what about, why why did you run so bad today what you know and I'm like yeah. this car basically said the car was a piece of today yeah. nice okay and uh, I got reprimanded for that Financially but or just verbally? No, they got pissed off at me yeah. for that. But I was super frustrated because Zanardi had taken over the points lead in my hometown. And, you know, the media was all over me. Yeah. They wanted to have my reaction. Oh, you lost the points lead this weekend, your hometown race. Why did you run so bad? Yeah, I was yeah. pissed about it. Yeah. And the uh, year went on, and we just continued to struggle on the road courses. All the, all the ovals were front-loaded at the beginning of the year. Yeah. They were all at the start of the season. And then it was all road courses and street courses right. after that. And we just, it, we sucked. We were <laughs> qualifying at like 20th and 22nd and 19th. And yeah. Me and Al at the back every yeah. weekend. And uh, we went to go test. I remember we went to this track in Michigan called Gingerman yeah, yep. Raceway. Yep. That's, that track has shown up in a few of our podcasts. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I went to this track. They called, called me up to go test. They said, hey, we're going to go do a tire <laughs> test. And we're going to test a bunch of aero stuff. We're going to be there for like three, four days. That sucks. So I go, okay. I go there, and we're running. It's towards the end of the year. And we're running and running and running and running and running all day long. Do like two days in this car. And this truck rolls up. And it was unmarked. But it was a, it was a Ray Hall truck. I could see by the paint scheme it was a Miller, but it didn't uh, have a it. Yeah. It was like the test truck. So it comes in. It was a Hogan truck. So it rolls in, and I'm thinking, oh, they must be coming to test. Right. Well, out rolls this brand new red Reynard yeah. uh, with okay. a Mercedes motor in the back yeah. of it, and they can roll it into our tent. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Right. So they're right. like, oh, this is that in the morning. We start testing first thing in the morning. They're right. like, okay. Uh, we're going to make a seat for you in this car, and you're going to try this car. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Right? So I get in it, and we make a foam seat and go out. It's got, like, we got two sets of Firestones for the day for this thing. It's, it's a Reynard with a Mercedes motor. And I go out, and I shake it down and do, like, two laps. Come in, and I check everything over. And I go out, and I do my first run in the car. On my third lap... I match my best time, Oof. and by the end of my, by the end of the first run, I'm like four tenths quicker yeah. than, than I've been in days. two days yeah. right. in this, in this car. car. By yeah. the end of the day, but I got I ran through that first set of tires, put on the next sticker set in the afternoon, and I go like a second a lap quicker than I ran in the Penske. Right, right. So I pack the test all up, and we leave. 
So we get to the end of the year and uh, go to Laguna. We don't run very well there. I can't re even remember where I finished in the championship in 97. I don't even remember. But uh, Roger calls me to the hospitality, Marlboro hospitality truck after the race, and he's with uh, he's with um, Dan Lugenbuehl, and he's with Teddy Mayer at that time. They're like, hey, we're going to start testing right away. You know, what do you think we should do next year? I'm like, well... I think we should get that rain hard. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Get that rain <laughs> hard enough for those Firestones and yeah. have our motors and we'll be good. Right. I right? mean, that year's an artist kicking your ass in exactly that combination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So They're like, okay, well, get ready to test. You know, we're going to test in a, probably a week or two. Okay. Probably go to Firebird or wherever, right? Sure. I'm like, okay. So a week goes by and I get a, I get a, my manager got a call from, from uh, Penske saying, hey, I'm going to be in, my manager lived in San Diego at the time. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be in San Diego, and i got to meet with some sponsors, <coughs> and I'd like you and Paul to come over and have lunch with them and, you know, just, just have a casual lunch with these. I mean, I'm losing, you know, at that time, it was, he was, it was rumored that Marlboro was going away. Okay. So he was entertaining some new sponsors and had a meeting, he said. So uh, my manager calls me and says, hey, uh, I need you to fly over to San Diego. Roger says he wants to have lunch with us, but he goes, I don't feel this. this something doesn't feel right to me. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I got the same call. They c called me to come over for some sponsored lunch. I saw it got on the next flight from here and uh, went over there. And literally, we were in and out of the in and out of that hotel in 10 minutes. Oh, just for that. Yeah. Okay. Walked in and they're like, hey, hey, we're here. Okay, come up to our room, suite, whatever. And we go up to the room and walked in and there was like all these Penske attorneys. Uh, there okay. and they handed me my walking papers and said, "See you later." Really? Wow. Yeah. Why couldn't? Why? Why, well, why well, make you fly all the way? Basically, basically they said Paul doesn't want to drive our Penske cars anymore. Uh, he wants a Reynard, and we don't feel he's a fit for our team. Uh, so we're going to go in a different direction. And you were just answering yeah. the question of like, how do we go win races? Yeah. The quickest answer. Yeah. Is what I experienced. So I got replaced for Andre Ribeiro. Yep. In '98. Sweet. <laughs> yep. He's not going to be on the podcast. Probably will not. <laughs> I don't even think he lasted a full season there. Ribeiro. I think they, uh, did they replaced him with Tarso Marquez. Wow. You have a better memory than me. Yeah. Uh, might be right. I think I am because Tarso drove for the We're going to edit while. it in and I'm going to sound like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But Paul, yes, they Paul, do. Paul, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Michigan. Well, at the end of the yeah. year, didn't they? Maybe it was the next <laughs> year. They got, they, didn't they get <clears> rid of? They ran a third, maybe a third car at Laguna yeah. and Gonzalo Rodriguez that was a, got, but that got was, killed. That was ninety nine. Yeah. Was that ninety nine? That was ninety nine. Okay, that maybe that it was ninety nine. So, yeah. uh, and Al Junior was still no, Al Junior was there the whole time, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. But basically, yeah, uh, replaced by Andre Ribeiro, who went on to do great things. I think he got a podium. Nice guy. Nice guy. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's my point. So like, there wasn't. It wasn't even a conversation. It was a one-sided conversation. It oh, wasn't no, well, there wasn't a conversation at all. Yeah. I mean, do you my, my manager said to him, "Well, we have a we have a contract, and we'll sue you." And basically, the response was, "Go ahead and try." Right. Wow. Jesus. Now at that point, like, is Roger in the room? No. Uh, that's so no. Interesting. And uh, it, it was years and years and years before Roger would even look at me. Like I'd see him in the pit lane, we'd you know, walk by each other in the yeah, pits, right. and he would wouldn't even get look at me. Really? And I was pissed at him. I wouldn't even look, sure. look at him either. So. Sure. But we're we're actually we're pretty we're pretty good now. Yeah. We get along pretty good now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, even, that even, even after the whole Indy 500. Thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, and we'll get. We'll definitely talk about that. But, Wait, um, what? What Indy 500? Well, I've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, at that point, you're I don't know, late 20s. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you, you lose a job with Penske. That's 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 the dream ride. I mean, well, you lose a job with Penske after the season's over and all the rides are gone. Yeah, then that's exactly it. Like, is your in your mind is your career over? Do you know you can land somewhere else? Well, we were. I was obviously in the panic. Yeah. In that, in that moment, I was like. What am I going to do now? Yeah, like yeah. all the rides are gone. There's yeah. no rides. Right. Right? Because everything was set. So the first call I made was actually because I'd been approached by Forsyth a couple times okay. to come and drive for him. Yeah. And uh, I called Forsyth, and he said, I just, he goes, I just signed Carpentier yeah. like two days ago. Right. He said, I don't have anything. Yeah. I'm like, right. Yeah. So the next call was to, to Barry for Team Green. He's right. like, they had already heard about it. They already knew about it. Huh. Funny how that works. Yeah. So yeah. literally, they they had a, I had a contract signed within 24 hours. No sh. To drive for Cool. The I mean the rumor I had always heard, and I don't know if any of this is true, but that you know I mean up to that point, Cool Green was a one car team, and they had this entire development program that they were running with young they guys. They expanded to two. Yeah. Yeah, and then basically you became available, and they kind of scuttled that to free the budget to add a second car. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but uh, that was always. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that the guy that was running Cool at that time had moved over from Players. Uh, It was all the same tobacco company. It was Brown and Williamson, which 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 was BAT, which was Imperial Tobacco. So there was a guy named Bob Bexon that was the head of Players Tobacco for for a long time, and he he was at Players when they were trying (coughs) to get me to come to Players. Right. It, then he went to Brown and Williamson, which was cool, and had started this whole kind of similar program to what the players' program was: driver development, yeah. young drivers, yeah. you know, bring in a top guy. Yeah, it was very it, that whole cool program was very similar to the early players' program, sure. which was Bob, which was Bob Bexon's thing. Sure. And then Bob left cool and went back to players, and then when the whole kind of decision came that. Michael was buying the team and yeah, going and to IRL the IRL and, yeah. and Cool was pulling out and I was like Bob said hey come drive for me right. for players I w- I've always wanted you to drive for for players a Canadian team I want you to come with me I'm like okay I'm home yeah. with you yeah. 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 so the most important question I would ask then is that and this is the most important question that will come up in this podcast <laughs> uh, do you still have any of those tobacco relationships because we believe Big Tobacco can still sponsor spo- uh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So we checked into it. We want some of that. We want some of that. That cool money. Well, Bob died. Okay. Just ruined that bit. That was the only good contact. Shut down, that I had. shut down a lot, which was pretty sad. He, he yeah. was out riding a bicycle with his, and got hit by a flipping car mm. in Montreal somewhere outside of Montreal, yeah. just riding bicycles. Jesus. All right. All well, right. there went that joke. Yeah. Good job, Sean. Yeah. So I heard you guys want me to have a question for. We do. We'll, we, uh, we can go ahead and jump into that. So we have a, our last guest. We, so, yeah, we do a pass-along question. Um, I like how he's steering the yeah, show. Yeah, he's like, let's get this together, <laughs> assholes. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the media. <laughs> I'm driving the interview here, keeping it interesting, because I, I, I got a doozy. Oh, no, good. Do it. Well, considering that she raced through the 70s and in a man's sport, I wonder how prevalent this whole... The latest topic of the news cycle is like the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. How many guys were like, "Hey, you want to drive for me? You gotta kind of the get in the sack with me." Yeah, deal. 
And, you know, because I'm sure that went on for her. Sure. You know, through the 70s, I mean, it was yeah. It's a lot different than it is today. And I wonder, I'm just wondering if that went on or not. <laughs> and, who, and who was the worst type Harvey Weinstein in the paddock? <laughs> Damn it, Roger, not again. <laughs> Bruce Jenner, strangely <laughs> enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> so we do a pass-along question. We had dinner two days ago? Uh, yeah. Two years ago? Uh, two days ago. In uh, Denver with Cole Pern. Oh, no. He is Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief in NASCAR. Oh, really? And he's Canadian. Huh. Yeah, so you should cheer for him. Oh, they're out of Denver, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But he knows who you are and was actually pretty excited to get the pass along yeah. question for you. He's like, oh, shit. He's a younger guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah he's he's like, like 35. 35. Yeah. 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 And he's from uh, kind of southeast Ontario. Yeah. Good dude. Really good dude. Yeah. You should look him up. He wanted to know, because he was a karting guy, too. Uh, he wanted to know who you thought was better than you when you were in carts, like looking for the name that didn't go on to be some superstar that could have. I don't know. I smoked everybody in carts <laughs> when I was racing <laughs> in Canada. Well, uh, notes. Humble. Humble. Um, have you, you met know Johnny O'Connell? Not, so not so much anybody in carts, but like I said earlier earlier in this podcast, Scott Maxwell was a guy who was, he was a really f***ing good driver yeah. Yeah. and never really made 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 it big time. He and won Le Mans. Yeah, well, he's won Le Mans, <laughs> but he's never... Hey, I think his potential hey, was a lot greater hey, than... I'm a sports car guy. How I know, but what you? I'm saying... Stop belittling he, my he, career. He, he, never, he never made it the route of open wheel racing, right. and he was plenty capable yeah, for sure. of making it, and it never took off for him. Yeah. He got to a certain point, I think, at Indy Lights, or he did a little bit of Indy Lights, and it was just never was going good, and he went sports cars. And he, he's obviously made a good career in sports yeah, cars, and he's driven sure. a long time, but he had... He was probably he, he was as good or or quicker than I was, and when we raced Formula right. Fords in F two thousand, but it, it just never took off for him. So this is proof that you open wheel assholes look at sports cars as failure. Like, just, it's proof now. It's out like, there. I guess I'll retire and do that. <laughs> Helio, Montoya. I don't know if he really wanted to do that. I think he's kind of been forced into it. Who's that? Helio. Helio. And you know what? It's, Poor thing. Him and I. Him and I didn't get along for a long time, but we get along pretty well now. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was pretty, pretty, a pretty cruel ending for a 20-year career yeah. to not even give him like a proper send-off. Yeah, like the, there was no announcement. It was right. all kind of like this, we don't like know this secret. Like, the, but everybody knew the secret. Yeah, like he's going sports car racing, but no, we can't say anything. And it was like for a guy who's put in 20 years and had the results he's had to like have him go out that way. Yeah. kind of be left vague and like nobody knows what's going like at least let the guy okay make the announcement yeah. if that's what you're going to do and let the guy have some type of celebration or last race or some type of fanfare thing right. like this I'm not going to be yeah. in Indy cars anymore full time just let him enjoy the moment rather than keeping everything a, a secret that everybody knows yeah well, we know? agree because we knew the secret for six months everybody yeah. knew that he was going sports car racing but right. it was like well I don't know I, all I know is I'm going to have a job and Right. Know, it's like, it, I thought that was pretty. I didn't think that was very nice on right. on, on that on Penske's behalf to, to have him go out that way, and to basically you know? be like IndyCar's most popular driver and not have yes, that sort yes. of victory. He's, he's very final popular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't think that was very fair. What do you think, accurate driver Ryan Eversley? I really hope he does well in the new prototype car that I'm not driving. <laughs> okay, well that kind of leads us into what we wanted to pick your brain yeah, about. These are the yeah. real questions. Like, are you the guy? Are you the party guy? No. No. What? Lies. Come on, man. Two racers right here. <laughs> yeah. I never really organized the parties, but when I, when I got to the parties, once I once the tap was cracked open, it wasn't shutting. <laughs> right. You know? Is that like a driver thing? 
Like where it's like, you know, everything you do, you try to go full tilt. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't typically drink drink that often. And for the most part of my career, I never drank at all. And I didn't. I didn't really start drinking wine until a couple years ago. Really? I never really drank. But if I did go to a party, I would drink like a an animal. For <laughs> that was it because this was part of the show. No, and just 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 what everybody was doing. But sure. like during the week, I don't. I don't drink during the week or yeah. anything like that. So you know, there was there was definitely wilder guys than me. Who? That, well, Jimmy, Jimmy's pretty wild. <laughs> Vassar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the best Jimmy Vassar oh, wild story? If, Come on, man. I don't know if I can let you Something. in on that. Come on, one. man. There was one time, there was one time uh, after a race, uh, we went back to, well, I got a couple stories about Jimmy, but one time I was went out and I was ha- had won a race somewhere and, and, uh, went out to a club with my girlfriend at the time and I told Jimmy come out to the club and we were in this club in the Bellagio and Jimmy showed up with a couple girls and he was hammered hammered <laughs> hammered and he was with Serbia I think I think he was with Serbia and Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy's okay. always got a couple of dudes around him he's always got a crew crew of guys okay. with him right. that his, are his old school his buddies yeah. Yeah, that he's always with yeah. and I, I'll never forget he was in this like he was in like this white linen, like a linen pants. <laughs> what? They were like white, they were kind of cream colored, and he had a jacket on. How many and doves? A, and a nice shirt. How many doves are yeah. flying around? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have any doves with him, but Call for, me some reason, for some reason he was dressed nice. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he was hammered, hammered, hammered <laughs> when he got there. And he was telling me, he's like, I was at that time. I was riding. I was riding bicycles a lot. Okay. Doing a okay. lot of lot of miles on the bike. Was this a downhill or was this like training? Training. I was okay. just riding tents. Yeah, yeah. Riding road bikes a lot. Right. You know, and he was telling me, "Oh man, you got to get off that road bike." He's like, "You got to." I've been swimming, and he goes, "Swimming's not hard on your body. If you crash that bike, you're going to be screwed." And you know, screw running. And he goes, "You got to swim. Swimming's the thing." I'm like, well, "I'm not a very good swimmer." He goes, "I can teach you. I go to this pool." By my country club, and I swim laps. I swim like an hour every day, and, yeah. and he's like, "It's all about the stroke." He goes, "It's all about the stroke. It's all about the stroke." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, I just, I'm just not a good swimmer, Jimmy." And he's like, "He goes, it's." He goes, "I'll show you." He, he, I swear to God, and he's he, in like this full white suit. Yeah, in he a got club. on the fucking floor in, a club. in this club. <laughs> <laughs> he was laying down on his on his stomach in in, in this club in the Bellagio. And the floor is filthy. It's yeah, like there's right. drinks spilled all over yeah, the floor. Yeah. And he's like, he's going like this. He's like just swimming, right? <laughs> right. And, and he's like laying on the floor. And the security guard comes up. And they grab him off the floor and like, what? They were gonna kick him out. Yeah, right. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's with me. He's with me. And it's like he gets up and he's like black. His <laughs> like, his coat, his shirt, right. his pants, everything from the are, grime floor. Are filthy black. And if you guys ever do an interview with him, are I'm we, sure he yeah. won't remember. But he, I remember he called me the next day. <laughs> And he's like, hey, man, I don't really remember what happened last night, but if I did anything stupid, I just want to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> good, goes, good attitude. My, su- my suit's pretty dirty, so I don't really remember what I, what I did. That's awesome. You know? So that was one story. Yeah. You said you had two. Another story. We, we, uh, get rid of it. we were racing in mid-Ohio. I think it was in 03. Yeah, 03. And uh, he had come over there in this private plane with a friend of his that had this had this little small beach craft this guy the guy's pilot's name was Dicky it was somebody of of his that had had this plane and he flew over there and he's like 
I'm like, hey, can I catch a ride with you back to Vegas? He goes, yeah, come on, let's go. Right? So we get in the plane. I won the race at Mid-Ohio, and we get in the plane, and we had to stop in uh, Denver to get fuel. And the guy was like, Dickie, the pilot, is like, uh, I mean, when we landed, there was this fucking huge black cloud in front of us, like lightning over oh, the mountains, wow, yeah, right? Yeah. Big storm. And we're getting fuel in Pueblo, Colorado, somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, we right? stayed, just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it wasn't Denver. It was like Pueblo, somewhere yeah. weird, right? Yeah. And it was this huge cloud of mountains. Uh, mountains and this huge black cloud. Yep. Lightning just raining out of it, middle of summer. So Dickie fuels the plane up, and he's like, hey, uh, we're going to have to go around this storm. It's, we're going to have to stop again for fuel before we get to Vegas. We've got to go 500 miles around this thing. And like, yeah, yeah, right. Jimmy's like, ah, f*** that. <laughs> he goes, just punch on through. No. Oh, right. No. no. And, uh, the guy's like, uh, okay. All right. So it was me and Jimmy on the plane and his buddy uh, Kenny Adams, who worked for Dragon Sunglasses. And uh, Dickie the pilot. <laughs> and uh, he goes, okay. And he takes off, and we go up into the clouds, and, and we get up in there, and we're f***ing rocking and rolling. Yeah, 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 right. The plane's going up and down and up this and down. And, like, I hit my head on the roof, yeah. and we got hit by lightning, <laughs> and, like, all the, all the dash of the plane went out. And he had to have, right, right, he had right, to yeah. have Kenny come up into the cockpit and like shine a flashlight on the gauges so he could see where he was going because we were we were at pretty low altitude right trying to get out of it and yeah just the plane was all over the place yeah and jimmy and i are looking at each other like oh f we're gonna die we're done this is it. Yeah. yeah this is it yeah right and we we were like in this thing for 40 minutes shitting our pants yeah, yeah. Pass. the whole time yeah hard pass yeah, hard we pass got, we got i remember jimmy's quote to the guy was he goes Punch on through. He goes. I got a. I got a chick waiting for me at the Hard Rock. <laughs> so we punched on through, and it was the fucking most frightening experience I've ever had yeah. in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought we were done. I thought we were going down in the mountains in yeah. Colorado. All for right. a chick that's not even yours. Yeah. Yeah. And this has come from the guy that like everybody we talked to is like no fear, original badass, like doing 240 in Indy cars back in the day. And you're like, that's the scariest fucking oh, thing ever to find through. We were both <laughs> ourselves. Like, I thought we were finished. Okay, so outside of Vassar, who's the next crazy party guy? Do you ever party with Al Jr.? No, no. He's, he's, I, I he's get the impression he's a different ilk. Yeah, he's, yeah. A doc, he's not a doc to hang around. I believe that. In what way? He's just a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a guy you want to hang out with when you're, when you're partying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, and those were the days when I'm sure he had the good stuff, so... Uh, who else parties pr party pretty hard? Well, Carpentier can party pretty hard. Yeah, those French Canadians are definitely yeah. down. Tag used to party pretty hard before he got married. He was crazy. Yeah. He was com a complete lunatic but before, before he, he got married to Bronte. Before he got married, I mean, just because he, he seemed to really prepare himself like he was in a boy band. Was he good with the ladies? Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> wor he worked really hard at it. Yeah. Those French <laughs> Canadian dudes are He pretty. was constantly working it. <laughs> yeah. Until he met Bronte, and then it was over. Really? Like it was and he behaved. Yeah. yeah. You sound yeah. like a guy that's like trying to vouch for his buddy right now. No, it's Which true. I'm telling it's you. True. I'm telling you. <laughs> we, we agree he, with you. He was, he was crazy, crazy, crazy about her. Yeah. yeah. Like, in, from what I understand, she didn't even want him. Oh, wow. Like, he went down to what? Met her in Australia. Yeah. And then, like, went back to Australia and chased her around for the whole offseason to try to get her to nice. go nice. out with him. Nice. A little puppy dog. Yeah. yeah. Usually that doesn't work. So when it's 
back in the day, like the heyday of your career, who is your crew that you're going out with when you get the chance? Obviously Vassar. Uh, yeah, it was Vassar and uh, Tommy Kendall I used to go out with, but Tommy Kendall would like fake that he was drinking. What he'd do is he'd order sake shots and he, he would like go like this and then drop and then it out <laughs> on the ground. Nice. <laughs> My nice. guy, I like it. He's yeah. sneaky like that. Right. Yeah. He'll pretend like he's drinking all night, but he's not. Yeah, copy that. Called out. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hung around Jimmy a lot because we lived in Vegas, so. But so you had that kind of Vegas thing going. It seemed like yeah. there was a couple different cliques at the time. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so. I don't see Jimmy much anymore. Why is that? Just I moved here, and he lives in, was living in Vegas, and then he moved to Napa. And Did his winery much. get hit? That's what I heard. He yeah. texted me and said he lost everything, oh, which is pretty Jesus sad. He Christ. lost all his, his the house there and yeah. the, where they where they make the wine and all the grapes, the everything's thing. gone. Jesus Christ. So last uh, last year, SEMA is around. I go there for Continental Tire, who partners with us on this podcast. I go do their social media, and I kind of just run around and give them like, my bird's eye view of the week. And I'm at the Red Bull GRC party, Global Rallycross party, yep. and I run into and, yeah. and he housed. Oh, he's, and I'm yeah. working on it. And uh, he and I don't know anybody really at this party. I'm there because a friend of ours, Melissa Eikhoff, was one of the GRC, like, production manager, like, kind of put on the events. And so I just went to see her, and we're hanging out. And then uh, I don't know any of these other kids that are driving it, really. And uh, run into our boy. And uh, he's hammered. I'm getting there. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, nothing. I'm just hanging out. I don't really have any plans. He's like, I'm going to go meet PT. We're going to the strip club. You win? And I was like, I don't think I could afford that. <laughs> What would I have spent that night? I he disappeared. He got like had some issue with his credit card, and was like, "There's so a story for you, right?" So he shows up. He's hanging out. He's like, "Oh, I gotta go get some money out of the ATM." So they, his ATM card gets declined or something. He disappears for like an hour. Yeah. He says he went in the bathroom and he said he was in the stall in the bathroom. And he was trying to call his credit card company. This is like two in the morning. Yeah. Right. So he's on the phone with his credit card company on, on some 1-800 call trying to sort out his credit card because he's got zero money on him. Yeah. And he, according to him, he says some security guard banged on the door and, like, kicked the door open and accused him of being in the stall too long and doing drugs in there. Nice. nice. Right? So yeah. they're, like, all going to kick him out of the place. What was the place? It was Sapphire. Okay. And uh, he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm with I'm – with I'm with Paul, and the guy's like, I don't know who the f Paul is. And I, I actually told him who the manager was, <laughs> right? Because you so know. When he, when he got you know, there at yeah, the door, yeah. hey, just ask for this guy, a buddy of mine. His name's Nano. I've known him for years. <laughs> and uh, he's one of my good buddies. Yeah. He's the GM there. I said, just ask for him, and he'll bring you to my table. It's like, oh, and he's, he's like, I'm with Paul. I'm with Paul. I'm at his table. And this security guard guy, I don't no know clue. who the f that is. Yeah. You're out of here. Yeah. He's like, well. Go talk to go talk to Nano. Go talk to Nano. And he's like, oh, you know Nano? He's like, yeah, I know Nano. He's he's, he's friends with my buddy Paul. He's like, oh, okay, okay, no You're problem. Right. You're right, right, nice. yeah. <laughs> Lubing the deals. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what but would again. I have dropped that night? I don't know. So, so that's on you, not me. Well, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> if I'm hanging, if I'm yeah, trying to keep we, up, if we go big and we're trying to keep up, I don't, what are we I don't go that crazy in those places. No, yeah. no. All right. Like two grand, three grand, maybe. <laughs> Okay. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> my buddy wants this SEMA. My buddy's like a couple guys I hang around with here. They're like, they're like, oh, we're gonna 
we're going to go to this club, we're going to go to Hakkasan, or we're going to some other club, yeah, yeah. and we're going to get a big table, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, what's this going to cost? They're like, well, last year our table was, it was 15 people, it was it was 12 grand. I'm mm -hmm. like, Jesus Christ, who's paying for this? He goes, well, everybody put in like a grand. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's out of control. $12,000 for a table at yeah. a nightclub. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I kind of realized doing my research on you that I honestly never put together before was that I don't think you actually get due credit that you're actually not the attitude guy. And why I say that is almost all the incidents, if you really look at them, you never antagonize the incident. All the fights. The fights. You yeah. know what I mean? But even also, like, interviews. Like, you'll just be, like, you got taken out by Bourdais at, what was that, uh, on the Oval? Oh, at uh, Las Vegas. At Vegas. Yeah. And, that pissed uh, me off. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. But they put the mic right in your face, and you're not like, F this. Or, I mean, you're, like, level-headed. You're upset, but you're speaking clearly. You're not just, right. like, ranting and raving like a lunatic. If you watch the Denver incident with Day or the, exactly. show, the San Jose fight with Tag, yep. both of those incidents, you didn't approach the guys. They both came to you. No, I mean, Tag, Tag was so mad. Yeah. yeah. And him and I were good buddies at the time. And this yeah. was the 07 San Jose well, we, Tag and I were, like, he gets he he goes he freaks out has like freakouts right and uh, I mean that was a hundred percent my fault I went down the runoff I spun it around yeah and I yeah. came out and I looked and I'm like oh I can make that gap and I <laughs> right. went and I was like I, I got halfway out and I'm like I'm not gonna make that gap yeah, yeah. I'm done and by this point right. I'm like, now yeah. I can't stop yeah. I'm already out there yeah so if you go to YouTube and put in like uh, Paul Tracy San Jose you'll see yeah. It. So he kept, I mean, that deal, he was so mad. And he's like, if, if you watch the extended clip, he, he, you're literally walking away from him, and he's yelling at you, and you're like, all right, chill. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. He right. literally, yeah. you're like pacing back and forth at this point behind pit lane, and then finally, you know. Well, he's I told him. He came up to me, and he's like, hey, you f my car. You f my car. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Right. And he turned around and walked away, and then he came back again, and he's right. like, this time he's even more animated, and he's like fucking grabbing me, and he's right. like, pissed and I like, told him I put my finger in his face I said listen I said I'm sorry stop grabbing me yeah, yeah. right and then he kind of turned away for a second and walked away again like three steps and then turned around and his eyes were like it looked like on fire yeah and he came back at me again and I, I I'd already told him I said stop grabbing me and he came back at me and grabbed me again and I like just pulled back and Punched and him. you went for it. <laughs> well, yeah. the best part is your helmet's off and his is on, and yeah. you still took him down. Yeah. Um, you're quite a bit bigger than him. I mean, do you just know that size-wise no one's going to touch you, or you just don't give a I, d I never get that angry, right. you know. So, I don't know. He just pushed it too far with yeah. him. He called me the next morning. He was like, he was crying. Brother, brother, I'm so sorry. Right. Uh, my fuck, I don't have any equipment. And a foresight gave Genelosi the. I don't know who he was driving. But it was Walker. Walker I think they yeah. gave him gave him the parts to fix the car. Oh, right there you go. But that's not on the YouTube video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just gets wound up. Right. But like Bourdais, he comes down, gets in your face, shoves you. Denver, Denver. And then once he shoves you, you're like, all right, come back. Yeah. Well, I was on probation at that point, so I couldn't get in another fight. And he, he obviously, he probably knew that and came to me try to right. antagonize a fight, start a fight. Yeah. But, like, what I but noticed about the situation is that, you, like, you in the interviews, you're always the one that's like, yeah, you know what, like, not cool or you're mad or whatever, but you're not screaming obscenities or, you know, talking gibberish. You're actually pretty 
you know, understandably upset, but not a crazy person. True. I don't know. I kind of played the black the black hat as well. You know. Well, you knew what you were doing. Like so, for example, like uh, this is where you and like if I was your PR guy, we would have gotten along really well. Um, so like, take uh, the luchador mask. Um, when you when you pissed off anyone that spoke French. Um, is that stuff your idea, or do you have like a PR guy that was sort of... No, I had a buddy of mine that was in Montreal, bought it at a little store in Montreal somewhere. Right. They thought it was funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're like, here, wear this, wear this for the intros. Yeah. I'm like, okay. There you go. You know, <laughs> you know when, when you went to Forsyth and Champ Car was in a very different place than it had been prior with, with a bunch of the teams leaving, you basically became sort of the, the guy that had to carry the torch on a PR front. Um, and it seemed like you really embraced that that black hat attitude, maybe more so than you had prior. And I don't know if that was by design or a pressure that you felt or if that was just Forsyth let you be you more than any other team. No, Forsyth never injected himself into you have to be a certain way, you have to act a certain way. My PR girl was Pat Caparelli at the time. She just... She was fine with whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It didn't matter, you know? So more than anything, it was just that Forsyth allowed you to be you, whereas the other team is maybe not so much. Uh, who, I mean, the Bourdais stuff is obviously the, the most famous. Who would you say was the, sort of the biggest rival or guy that you just couldn't stand losing to? I probably got into conflict with those guys because if I'm truly, completely honest about it, I was intimidated by being be beaten by them. For sure. So In other words, like, my, yeah, way, my way of thinking I could get a leg up on them or a mental advantage on them was to f*** with them and make them think I'm crazy and they yeah. don't want to race me. Yeah. yeah. You know, now at the at the at the end, the end, the end of the at the at the end of the deal, all of the guys that I had conflict with had more have more wins, and more championships than me. Right. They were better than me. But my way of, I guess, my way of dealing with it was trying to make them think I was crazy, and they didn't want to race against me. Right. You know, to get in their head. Where are you at with Borde now? Oh, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've kind of come out and said that that you guys are cool now and for lack of a better question, hating him at the time was sort of how you had to get through it. Mm -hmm. um, didn't you say that's accurate? Yep. <laughs> well, when I drove when I drove with Brian Stewart, my dad was always the kind of guy who was like, you got to hate hate the guy you're competing against yeah. and be in conflict with them and that's drive, how we drive them the crazy. And, and <laughs> Brian, when I drove for Brian Stewart in Indy Lights, he was kind of the same, had the same mentality. Right. You know, so it was kind of like, that's what I was taught, you right. know. All right, sorry for the sort of abrupt stop there, but uh, we did decide to break this one into two parts. Normally, uh, we try and sort of condense these down to the best 90 minutes, give or take, of, uh, of our guests. Uh, in the case of Paul, between his sort of place in the sport, his unique character, and some incredibly compelling stories on a number of different facets, uh, we decided to leave a little bit more in than, than normal. And uh, so we broke it up into two parts. This just seemed like the logical place to stop. Stay tuned for part two, where there will be a lot of very candid stories on a number of things. Some very funny, some pretty brutal, uh, and a number of things in between. So uh, we're going to close this out with a band called Fury, F-U-R-Y. They're on SoundCloud. Just look up uh, Fury Hip Hop and uh, stay tuned for part two. I've lost the use of my heart. Yeah, Joe. 
Used to be somewhat of a bleeding heart Would give you mine if you needed a heart With a naive little god To put up my guard with something that I learned quick Went from turning the cheek to turning the fist Into an injury intentionally Determined never to get burned again Thought it's better to hurt them Before they hurt me Certainly this had flaws Like the real enemy being beyond the reach of my arms Dogs eating dogs That's the world we're living in Innocence lost Soon as you're birthed you're given sin It depends where you were born Just how much you get But you're getting it Hence mankind's predicament Apathy, ignorance Downright maliciousness Then you get people in positions of power with this shit Pistol whipping the system Silencing the witnesses Ask the average citizen how they feel That the consensus is Fighting day to day against those who choose to benefit our people who indigenous and didn't get to pick this life. With this, I fight and do more damage to the system when I grip the mic. Speaking to existence, what should be my God given right? Pursuit of happiness, shouldn't have to check the sticker price. Seem like I place my dreams on layaway. All the love made won't compensate for what I gave away. Couldn't repay, will be indebted to my dying day. Regretting that I'm crying for each soul that I am trying to save. Say there's no redemption. Devil's whispering, cause he's attempting to turn me from a victim to a vixen. He faces much resistance, easy to refuse it cause the music is what's lifting and soothing this condition when I'm lacking confidence it is the peace that I am missing huh. I pray for peace for all the living, check me out now I've been torn up inside 